Well, Feliz Navidad. I learned about five words while I was gone. Uh, Feliz Navidad, you know what that means, right? Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas. Uh, also, I can throw at you Buenos Dias, which means good morning. So good morning to all of you. And I've got C down. Man, I've got that one down. I can say yes all day long. Uh, our team of 16 got back home yesterday. We had the opportunity to go to Peru. And man, it was an incredible experience. Uh, I'm wearing my shirt. If you see somebody wearing a shirt like this today, they probably went on the trip. Ask them how it was. They will probably wear you out with stories. And so it's just good, good stuff. Thank you, church, uh, for your generosity in sponsoring kids in Cerro, Colorado, and the area there. Lives are being changed. Families are being changed. And you can ask the group that went. A community is being changed, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so thank you so much for all that you're doing uh, to support and to love and to pray for uh, the many children there. And thanks for praying for our team. Um, in case you don't know, my name is Kyle. We're so glad to see each and every one of you here today. If it's your first time today, we're so glad that you chose today as being a day that you would join us and be in church together and worship Jesus together. And we're kicking off a brand new Christmas series today called God With Us. This Christmas, we want you to know that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're dealing with, we want you to know that you are not alone. God is with you. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. We're going to use this verse. Um, we're going to look at several of the passages over the next few weeks, but we're going to use Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 Every week, I hope it gets in your heart. I hope it gets in your mind. Um, it is this good news that we sung about and that we spoke of earlier. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, look, behold, take note, pay attention, don't miss this. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In this one verse of Scripture, we have some amazing stuff. We have some very deep theology in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. You were reading, right? You were paying attention. Did you read what we just read? It says, a virgin is going to have a child. I don't know about you, but anytime a woman, and as far as I know, it only happened once ever, has a child who's never had a sexual relationship, wow, we have got quite the story going on. And that's what we have here. We have the story of the birth of Jesus. His mother, her name was Mary, and she was pregnant with Jesus after being conceived by the Holy Spirit did she have Jesus. So this baby was special. He was a man and he also was God. He literally was God coming to earth. He was the Son of God visiting us here. So we have some deep theology, but we also have deep connection. It says here that they call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. Say it with me. It means what? God is with us. So anytime you hear, sing the name Emmanuel over the next few weeks or this Christmas season is a time we use that name quite often. It literally means God is with us. So if things are going great for you right now, you got the parking spot you wanted at the store, your hair is on point today, you dropped the most amazing four-legged horn creature a couple of weeks ago, the baby slept through the night, you got a raise at work, we want you to know that God is with you. 
Or if you're frazzled, fatigued, maybe just fried, God is with you. During the Christmas season, especially anxiety tends to go up. It just does. And it could be just the busyness of the season. We go hard, we go fast, and we go way too much. You factor in all the gift buying, the planning, and the going. It's a real thing. In fact, I read a story the other day. It was really cool. Um, when the white man first went to Africa, in particular Kenya, and the Kenyans were getting to know the white men, they came up with a name for the white man. And that name is Ma- Mazunga. Mazunga. Here's what it means. One who spins around. They watched how white men function, and they just thought, you're just spinning all the time. Maybe that name applies to you, especially in the season, just somebody who's spinning around. Maybe it goes deeper than just the busyness of the season, though. Maybe you don't know what your job status is going to be in just a few days. Maybe somebody made a really stupid decision, and you're having to deal with the consequences of it. Uh, Maybe you or someone in your family just got not such great news concerning their health. Maybe your marriage is rocky. Maybe parenting is a roller coaster ride for you right now. Anxiety, it can creep in from any direction and overwhelm us. Just when you thought things were going great, boom, there it is, out of nowhere. But we want you to know that you are not alone. Others in the room are dealing with this thing of anxiety. Is anybody else in the room willing to help somebody else out right now and say, I'm dealing with anxiety too? Anybody? Anybody? I'm raising my hand. I'm raising my hand. And this is going to sound so like almost made up, but I'm telling you it's not. My wife can attest to this. I have had anxiety over this sermon series. I've had anxiety over preaching on anxiety. Why? Because I know so many people are dealing with anxiety. And I'm concerned, I'm worried, I'm a little fret, uh, I fret just a little bit that maybe I won't say something just exactly right or say something wrong or not say enough or not sound compassionate enough for you who need some encouragement and need some help in your life, especially in this area of anxiety, and maybe I'll get it wrong. Anxiety is a complex issue. For some, it may be a diet change, so you need help from a dietitian. Go. For some, it may be a chemical imbalance, so you need help from a doctor, go. Some of might need some help processing things, so you need help from a counselor, go. Anxiety can be emotional. Anxiety can be psychological. Anxiety can be situational. But here's one thing I would argue for. I would say anxiety is always, always spiritual. And when I say it's always spiritual, I'm not telling you right now that if you have anxiety, it's because you don't have enough faith I'm just saying that in every instance of anxiety, what we do need is more of the Lord in our life. We need more of his presence and we need more of his help. So we may seek professional help. We may go to a doctor. We may go seek counseling. But we must always go to the Lord. He is our help every time and he is our hope every time. God is with us. This is not some trite, foolish saying. This is a deep promise from God to us, the promise of his presence to be our help in our time of need. In fact, the principle that we're going to talk about this morning is something I had to go to and experience myself in getting ready for today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to fill it in. It's going to be on the screen. Here it is. Sometimes we need to get still and get a word from Emmanuel. 
Sometimes we need to get still and we need to get a word from Emmanuel. That word still, though, right? Like, where, where am I going to find time to do that? Again, the busyness, the go, 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 go of this life that we lived. Again, just when you thought things were going well, boom, anxiety creeps in. Well, there's a guy in Scripture where things were going really, really well, and then boom, anxiety, panic overwhelmed him. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. The guy that we're going to look at this morning, his story, his name is Elijah. Um, we were uh, on our way back yesterday, my family and I, we, we took a little bit different trek back, and so we got back a little bit later, and we met a young man named Dion. Dion was about three times my size, and um, he was going to be on, um, well, he was in the airport where we were, and I immediately knew this guy plays football, so we started talking about football. It was a great conversation. Anyway, things kept rocking along. Finally asked what I do, found out I was a pastor, and he started asking really deep life questions, and it was just um, so um, you know, just on point what he was asking. But ultimately he said to me, he said, you're a pastor, so like you like feel like this need to be perfect, right? Like how do you deal with that? Like how do you, you're like you're a leader, you're supposed to be perfect. I'm like, first of all, I'm not. And I said, second of all, I take a lot of hope in the stories in Scripture. Read almost every single character in Scripture. If you really read their story, you will see they are jacked up people. <laughs> I mean, just stuff going all kinds of sideways. And Elijah was no different. God used him in great ways, but when he forgot who he was and who God was, he would fall and get low, and God would have to bring him up. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, Elijah wasn't just any guy, though. Elijah was God's guy. He was God's pick. God was using him to do amazing things. In fact, God took him and fed him, literally fed him every single day in the desert, supplied his need for food and water in the desert. Elijah would then go on to do some great things. Um, there was this king that was evil. His name was Ahab, and Ahab was constantly trying to destroy Elijah and to defame the name of God. And so God used Elijah to pray prayers and to do some amazing things, after which God did a miracle and Elijah was able to defeat and to destroy 450 evil, false prophets of Baal. Elijah has just experienced one of the greatest victories of his life. One of those moments where you're like, yes, everything is going just the way it's supposed to. Me and God, we are like this. God used me to do amazing things. Everything fell into place exactly the way that it's supposed to fall into place. That's what happens in chapter 18. Now look at chapter 19, okay? Out of nowhere, Elijah is going to experience panic. 1 Kings chapter 19. When Ahab, who was the evil king, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, who was his wife. Now, Ahab was evil. Jezebel was evil, all right, like a whole nother level, and I say that based on what the scripture tells us about them. He told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. This was the, the victory that he had, including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, the wife, sent message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Now, Ahab had been after Elijah for years. 
He had constantly been trying to take him out, destroy him, knock him down, get him out of the way. Jezebel is so mad that her husband can't handle the situation. And she says, if you can't handle it, I'm going to. And she declares, even if it kills me, I'm going to get Elijah by this time tomorrow. Notice what happens in verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So when panic hits us, we either fight or we do what we call flight, right? It's fight or flight. And Elijah had chosen through the power of the Lord just a chapter ago, just a few days before, to fight. And now he is choosing to fly away and or to go. Jezebel comes after him and he decides to run. Notice it says that he fled for his life, so he ran. He didn't hop in an Uber and get away. He literally ran from where he was to Beersheba, and according to what I understand, about 100 miles. And so when he got there, he said, hello, my name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. He was so full of panic that he literally ran 100 miles to get away from one woman. There had been a king and all of his army after him, and now he is scared for his life because of one woman. Well, I got to thinking about, like, why he was so afraid of Jezebel, and I wonder if this picture helps just a little bit. Mom has spent the afternoon preparing dinner for the family. Finally, everybody gets to the table. You know the rush of the afternoon and the evening, and finally everybody gets around the table. At least two people sitting around the family, uh, the, the, the table at the family, complain about what's on the table that night, one of which was her husband. Everybody scarfs down the food in about 90 seconds. They leave the table and all the dishes are there and she loses it. Where does everybody else go? They what? Run. Okay, they run. Jezebel's had one of these moments. And she has lost it, and Elijah is scared. He ran away, and he's alone, and he's afraid. Look at what it goes on to say in verse number 4. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. He's like, it's so bad. I feel so terrible. I'm so scared. I feel so alone. God, I just wish you would kill me. He goes on to say, I have had enough, Lord. You ever have one of those moments where the straw broke the camel's back? You know what I'm saying? Like it's just been piled on, it's been piled on, it's been piled on, and just one more thing, and you've had it. And that's what he says, I've had it. And he goes on to tell God, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. I'm as good as dead. I'm worthless. There's nothing left for me to do. I'm done. I'm spent. Have you ever noticed that when we get overwhelmed and we are full of anxiety and we're in a panic mode, that we tend to exaggerate everything? We do. We magnify it beyond what it even is. Uh, we have this level of negativity that's just off the Richter scale, if you will. Um, we, we get in this woe is me mentality. None of us have ever done that, right? You never got to the point, right, where you just said, I just, I wish it was over. 
I just wish I would die. I think every one of us, if we were honest, we've had those kind of thoughts. We've made those kind of statements. We maybe even told God that in just our moment of panic and our moment of being overwhelmed. Done, spent, overwhelmed, out, finished, never again, had it up to here to the point that we don't care what the cost is. We don't care what it takes. We just want out of our current situation. Maybe financially you've been working hard to get ahead and get your family to a good spot financially and everything's going where you want it to go to get you into a better place and then it begins. First, it's the washing machine, right? And then the car breaks and then the kid needs three cavities fixed, right? It starts to pile up and one more thing is just going to break you and then our whiny voice kicks in. That's what I think is happening here in verse number five. I think he's using his whiny voice. Had enough, Lord. I'm done with this. I'm so through. Y'all got a whiny voice, don't you? All the men do. I don't know about the women, but all the men have a whiny voice. And you know when it kicks in. Your wife knows when it kicks in for sure, right? You have a whiny voice, and it's that place where you're just ready to give up and you're ready to be done. That spot where you just can't take it anymore. You reach the point of being desperate, needing relief. In that moment is when we need to experience the grace, the mercy, the loving kindness, and the presence of the Lord. And Elijah is saying all this kind of crazy stuff. Look at verse number five. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree, but he was sleeping. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, a messenger from God touched him and told him, get up and eat. And so he does that. And this happens a couple of different times where the messenger of the Lord just says, what you need to do right now is you need to rest a little bit and you need to sleep a little bit. You need to rest a little bit and you need to sleep a little bit. Some good advice for a lot of us in the room. God gives him some more instructions and then pick up in verse number 11. Verse number 11. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. This is a place where God had told him to go. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. The Lord, God, passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake... There was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. God wasn't in the wind. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. He spoke through a whisper. So God has taken him to a place. God has put some spiritual noise-canceling earphones on him, if you will. God whispers to him. I wonder how many times God is speaking to me, God is speaking to you, but we can't hear him because we are going too fast. There is too much noise. And we can blame the world for all the noise, but we've got buttons that control a lot of the noise that's in our life. We literally have buttons. Every now and then I've wished that my kids had a pause button on them, right, or a stop button on them. I've wished for that. Uh, I was sitting in um, 
Settle Colorado the other day, and this little guy, um, I think you pronounce his name, Giuliano, and he was sitting in my lap, and I noticed that he wasn't really interacting like the other kids, and so I got to asking some questions about the little guy, and the first word I'd gotten back is that he was mute, that he couldn't talk. That's the word that I'd gotten. Then I did a little more talking, and they said, well, actually, that's not really what it is. We've actually sent him to psychologists. We think that physically he is capable of talking. We've heard him say his name before, but we think that the reason why he doesn't speak is because he was abused when he was younger, and he's just too afraid to express himself. And I remember sitting there holding this little guy, praying for a miracle. I'm like, God, heal this little boy of the pain that he has suffered let him be able to speak. Help him to feel safe enough that he can express himself and to talk. And I was literally praying for God to do a miracle in his life, and I'm still praying for that. And um, it hit me in that moment, how many times have I prayed for my kids to hush? And it was a deep, convicting moment. We have a God who speaks, and we learn from this that many times it's a whisper, and the only way that we can hear a whisper is to get still and to get quiet and to turn this off and to turn that off and to set that aside and to remove ourselves from this and to remove ourselves from that and to say, God, whatever it takes, I need to get along with you because I need to hear I need a word from you. I'm desperate. I'm lonely. I'm losing my mind. Everything is out of control. I believe that you're in control, but I need to feel, I need to hear that you're in control. I need you to speak to me. And so God, in this chapter 19, speaks through a whisper. And I'm not going to read the rest of the verses, but I want to paraphrase what the Lord told Elijah, okay? Here's what he said. You are not alone. I am with you. I am for you. I am not done with you. I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to protect you. You are not alone. Why does God whisper? Look at what Psalm 34 and verse 18 says. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. So we've got God with us, this truth from God saying that Jesus is God with us. And then we have Psalm 34 that says that if we're downtrodden, that if we're heartbroken, that if we're hurting, that if we're in pain, that if we're overwhelmed with panic and anxiety, it says the Lord is close to you. So right now, if everything is going wrong, Jesus is getting just a little bit closer to you. He is edging in even closer into you because he knows there's a greater chance if you are experiencing some broken heartedness right now, there's a greater chance that you are finally going to get still and get desperate enough to listen to him. And he is going to speak. It says he rescues those. He rescues those whose spirits are are crushed. And so maybe right now you feel like you are brokenhearted and you are. You feel like everything is pressing down on you and you are being crushed. Here, and here's what the Lord says. I'm close to you and I'm going to rescue you. And if you get still, you potentially be able to hear him say that. 
He whispers because he's close. God doesn't sit up there in heaven, wherever heaven is. I think we've got this idea that we're down here on earth and somewhere up above the clouds, there is heaven and there is God. And we think that if God is going to speak, he's got to, you know, rear up and speak really loud and say, hey, you. But we see in scripture that he actually gets close to us and he whispers to us. Sometimes we need to get still and we need to get a word from Emmanuel. Again, I think we need to get some noise-canceling headphones for our soul and lean in and hear. And here's what you need to lean in and hear. You are not alone. I am with you. I am for you. I'm not done with you. I'm still going to use you. I'm still going to protect you. How many of you would right now just kind of assess your life situation and you'd say, you know what, right now I'm in an okay place. Things are going fairly well for me. Family's doing okay. Uh, Job, finances are doing okay. We always like for it to be better, but it's doing okay. Health's, Health's doing okay. I'm in an okay spot right now. I'm a follower of Jesus, but even in this okay place that I am right now, How many of you would just lift your hand and say, I want to lean in closer so I can hear from the Lord? How many would you say, that's where I'm at right now? Thanks. Awesome. How many of you would look at your life and kind of assess it right now and you say, you know what, I'm not in an okay spot. I'm in a really hard place right now. It could be one thing or it could be many things. And as a result of knowing the Lord and following him and knowing what he can do and what he wants to do and knowing how he's close to us and how he wants to speak to us, Even in that hard place right now, you would just lift your hand and say, that's me, I'm in a hard place, and I really need to lean in close right now, and I need to hear what God has to say to me right now. How many of you would be honest right now and just say, that's me right now? Wow, God bless you. How many of you would say, you know what, I'm just, I'm alone. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to, like, tell everybody this, but, like, just you being honest. Like, I'm alone. I don't feel like anybody's for me. Uh, maybe, just maybe, you feel completely alone because you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You've never experienced Emmanuel, God with you. You've sung some songs, you've come to church, you've heard, uh, you've listened, but it's never been its never been a relationship for you. It's never been uh, God being your Savior. He's just the Savior, and He's never become your Savior. And, and maybe you find yourself very, very lonely and overwhelmed, Uh, Maybe prayer, you don't even know what that looks like for you because you don't even know who you're talking to possibly. I just want you to know, listen to me, that's why Jesus came. He came for you. Emmanuel, God with us, the beautiful Christmas story. Jesus, a baby, the God-man, both God and man in flesh here, grows up, makes every decision and every choice right correctly, never sins, never fails, goes forward, lives 30-something years, they eventually put him on a cross, and he dies on a cross for my sin, for your sin, for our sin. This is why he came so close. This is why he came so close. It was to go to the cross, and he suffered there, and he bled there 
so that we today could have a relationship today, so that we could be close to him today, so that we could be right with him today, so that he could speak to us today, so that he could come alongside of us today, so that he could rescue us today. And maybe you're there and you're like, I'm alone. There's some people in my life, but even when I'm in a crowd and even when I'm family and even when I'm friends, I feel all alone. I want to offer Jesus today. Emmanuel, God with us. I'd love for you to say yes to him becoming your Lord and your Savior, which happens through admitting our sin and believing in him for who he is to allow him to come into our life and to forgive us and to cleanse us. This whole thing of anxiety, it is very, very real. It is very real. So believer or not, I want to offer Jesus to you today, Emmanuel, God with us, who is very close to us, who wants to speak over us words like this that we desperately need to hear, knowing who he is and a lot of who he is, knowing who we are and how he views us. So I offer Jesus today, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you so much for an incredible day to be together. Father, maybe together right now doesn't really feel like together for some people in this room. Maybe they're here and they see people and they know people and people know their name, but they just feel desperately alone right now. Maybe somebody's going through a really challenging season of life. Maybe news is just broken that is just um, tearing their heart apart. Maybe they're just feeling the busyness of life and being overwhelmed by that. Maybe that Swahili word of one that spins around just describes them really, really well. And they need to stop and be in your presence and they need to hear your whisper. They need to hear your voice. They need to hear you speak words of love and of grace over them, which is what you speak. Maybe there's someone here today that's never placed their faith in you. They've never become a follower of yours I pray that today would be that day they would encounter you and enter into close, real relationship with you. Thank you for this time together. We love you. We need you. Be with us. Thank you, Emmanuel. God with us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.